Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Swearing In Podcast. I am your host, Marty Smith. My guest today is former Army Sergeant Mike Appleby. Mike grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He graduated from Washington High School in 1963 and then attended the University of Iowa, graduating with a bachelor's in business administration in 1967. Upon his graduation, he was drafted by the Army and was sworn in at Camp Dodge, Des Moines, Iowa, in September 1967. His basic training was at Fort Lewis, Washington, where he received an MOS of 11 Bravo. After attending AIT at Fort Ord, California, Mike was sent to Fort Campbell, Kentucky to be trained as an armored vehicle driver in May 1968. His first assignment was to Camp Casey with the 7th Infantry Division in Korea, where his MOS was changed to 11 Lima, Army Education Specialist. After a successful tour in Korea, Mike was discharged from the Army in April 1969. This concludes your pre-brief. Now let's get on with the interview. Today I'm sitting with former Sergeant Mike Appleby of the U.S. Army. Correct? Correct. <laughs> Mike, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you it. You bet, Marty. I look forward to you telling this story, right? All right. Compared to most of your stories, it's not real exciting. You know, everybody says that, but <laughs> I think there are interesting pieces there, right? Um, Mike, where'd you grow up at? I grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Oh, which Hawkeye, was huh? Hawkeye. <laughs> and it was the second largest city in Iowa. Cedar Rapids? Yeah. Was? Des Moines a, was the biggest one? Yeah. Okay. It was about 100,000 people, but it was a great place to grow up. Jeez, all the all the musicals seem to happen in Iowa. Wasn't the music man in Iowa? Music man, you bet. <laughs> so, uh, how was life in Iowa? How was high school there? Life was good. Yeah? I, uh, when I was in ninth grade, I think, yeah. I got the Spanish flu. Really? Yeah. And I lost 20 pounds. Was that what? When did they come up with? Uh, they have a vaccine for that. No, right? I'm sorry, not Spanish, avian. Oh, bird flu. Yeah. And do we it, even have a vaccine for that? I don't think so. It, oh my it was goodness! A, it was a big deal. Did it spread through like 1960? Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. And I took off 20 pounds, and I was a chubby little guy. <laughs> so more. that really helped going into <laughs> high school. <laughs> Sure, you come and back I, and you're fit and trim. Yeah, I, a lot more fit and trim than I was. But weak is all get out. I, I know. Imagine, right? And I was in summer school and I missed four days. And just by the hair on my chin, was I able to complete the class I was taking? Really? Yeah, because you couldn't miss, I think, more than three or four days. Did you have to go to the hospital for it? No. Oh. Just stayed home, sicker than a dog. Oh, and nothing to, <laughs> nothing to do for it, right? Nothing. Nothing. Oh. But it, I was. I was brought up as a, as a Methodist. Okay. And I was very active in MYF, which is the Methodist Youth Fellowship Group. All right. All right. And that was my core 
group of people. And we all went to the same high school. Was it a um, religious high school? No. Oh, okay. No, okay. It, it was one of two or three of the city high schools at the time. Okay. Uh, we had over a thousand kids in our class. Jeez. And uh, finally dated a gal that, that I was interested in. Oh, yeah. And we dated through high school and part of college. And it was just, it was a good time growing up. Yeah. I can remember when uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis oh, sure. was going on. And the 62? Yeah. Okay. And at the MYF meeting that Sunday, uh, the minister's kid was listening, to, pretending to listen to a shortwave radio. <laughs> and kind of implied that nuclear war was breaking out. Sure. Yeah. Scared the hell out of me. Did they do the drills? Like they get under the desk drills or anything like that? Do you remember? You know, if we did, I don't remember them. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Wow. But, but high school was good. I was a student trainer for the football and wrestling teams. Yeah. I wanted to go into medicine and I'd gone through student training, so that was fun. When did uh, when did you graduate? I graduated in '63. Oh, okay. Gee, what a year! Right? <laughs> yeah. And Kennedy got shot that it year. It was. Right? I was freshman at University of Iowa. Okay. And I'd gone back to the dorm, and my roommate was there, and I was laying down on my bunk for lunch, and the news came on. Oh wow! Whoa. That that had to shake you up, even though you're probably not politically minded. Being uh, 18, I, right? I really wasn't very. Yeah, no. none of us are at that no. time. But still. But it still shook me up. I had a class, I think at one. And yeah. I walked over, not knowing that it, everything would be canceled. And it was. Oh, sure. School was canceled for God, almost the next week. Yeah. And we all stayed well, up. Nobody knew what to do. No. We all stayed up in the one of the gathering rooms yeah. and listen to radio 24 seven. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't imagine going through that. I mean, I, I was a freshman in 85 when the challenger blew up and we saw that on TV and it was like, Whoa, what happened? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that it still wasn't, it, it was a major event. Oh yeah. And I remember the reactions like, God, I just saw that. But well, I, I was... It wasn't the assassination of the no, living president. I, My God. When when it blew up, I was selling surgical instruments. Oh, and, and I could see it like it was yesterday. I was driving across the street yeah. from a surgery center to one of my big hospitals. Uh-huh. And I told the OR... That oh, it, you did? That it had blown up. They hadn't heard it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was back before the days of twenty four hour news. Right, exactly. Obviously. So Right. So you really had to be maybe listening to the radio when a news yeah. thing came up? Yeah. And I don't think anybody had a radio going in the OR. Uh, right. So, yeah, right. Those, those types of things were very impressionable. Well, you lived through one of the most impressionable decades. Yeah. So you you mentioned that uh after high school you were thinking about doing uh you were training for what? I'm sorry. I thought I wanted to go into medicine. Oh, okay. Okay. But I are an average student. 
<laughs> that I couldn't get into. Were they taking above average students? They like were that? taking above average students. <laughs> and I couldn't have got into med school if I'd have had a big checkbook. Sure, right, right, right. <laughs> but all of my friends were going on to college. For some reason, they were all bright. Yeah. And I had no clue what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. And I figured since all my friends were going to college, maybe I'd go to college. Uh, well, sure. So I did. Yeah. Well, now I see by on, on the wall, you have a family history of the military. I do have. Did anybody say anything to you about that when you were coming out of high school? Did your parents kind of guide you anyway? No. Nope. Any one direction? Were they glad no. you were going to go to college? I, uh, I think so. My dad was a co-partner in a tile store. Okay. And I had worked for him in the summers, God, forever. Oh, really? <laughs> and at the time, I didn't have a thought about going into business there. Yeah. Uh, and nobody really offered any suggestions. I yeah. think think they were okay when I decided to go to college. Yeah. Do something, I suppose, right? Yeah. yeah. And they helped financially, although I worked my way through, so. Okay. My my dad's brother was in Korea, and wow. uh, dad was in the South Pacific. My father in law was in the Mediterranean and China. Jeez! And my my dad's father was in the Marine Corps. Yeah, and he didn't go anywhere but uh, camp. He was a good a bugler. Oh, good! And by the time he got in, got trained, the war was coming to an end, oh, so sure. he didn't get sent over. Sure. And my mother's father was in the Navy. Yeah. And he just sailed ships in the Great Lake. Oh, that'll work too. Because yeah. by the time he got in, the war was just about over. So Right, right. And there's there's a couple of interviews on there that, you know, they had their draft cards. Did you have a draft? Did they start the draft? You said 63. Uh, yes, they did start the draft. I graduated in 67. Oh, well, from college. So, so right? I had the school deferment all through college. What Do you remember when the draft started? And did that kind of... I had to be around 66, maybe, 65. And I don't know that... I didn't get a draft card. I had to register. Because when you I was were 18. deferred, right? Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I kept my registration card. I, I still but, think it would, it would seem odd to me. Did it strike you as odd that, hey, the government is imposing a draft? No. No? At the... When I started college and we started hearing about Vietnam, yeah, I kind of bought into the program and I turned hawkish. Okay. And I thought it was a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I wanted to go, but it was a good thing. <laughs> good thing for somebody. <laughs> yeah. And by the time, uh, well, in 66, I tried to get in, into the Marine Corps. Oh, you just, did? Just because my dad and his dad were Marines. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I like the uniform. I think I'll be a Marine. And it looked good. And they had a summer program between your junior and senior year for okay. training. All right. And then when you graduated, you went into training and then OCS. Oh, sure. And sure. I went in, filled out all the paperwork and didn't hear anything huh. for a couple of months. So I went back to the recruiter. They had no record of it. And by that time, Vietnam was kind of blowing up. Okay. And I thought, do I really want to be a second lieutenant in Vietnam leading a bunch of Marines? 
no. Yeah. So I let it drop. Yeah. And then I went to the Air Force recruiter. All right. And said, what have we got for OCS? Yeah. So I, I was bussed over into Illinois somewhere to an Air Force base and given all the tests and everything. And I, at the time, I had a couple of syncope episodes where I fainted. Oh, okay. Well, that blew me out a oh. pilot. So, oh, so yeah. Then they tested me for navigator, and I think I could have been a navigator. Really? Yeah. And came back, graduated, didn't hear a thing. And I was working for my dad Yeah. because I, I figured I was would be drafted, so I wasn't looking for a job. Sure. And heard nothing from the Air Force. Huh. And so I... I don't know if I went in or talked to the draft board or what after I got my greeting letter <laughs> and said, hey, I'm trying to get into OTS at the Air Force. I've done all the tests. I'm just waiting to hear. And they said, well, if you hear before your induction mm. date, you can go. Right. If not, you're inducted. You're not the first one to tell me that. I've heard, I've interviewed a couple that said the same thing, that they were on a waiting list for a certain job. Right. Um but the recruiter said, hey, if your number comes up, that supersedes whatever and, you're And we didn't for. even have numbers. Oh, we, you did? We just got drafted. Oh. So yeah. they were just waiting for you to graduate. Exactly. And once they got notified that my deferment was over, that was the end of that program. And so there was no, they didn't offer, at that point, they didn't offer you, hey, you can go OCS because you graduated from college. After I was inducted uh, and... I was inducted at Camp Dodge in Des Moines. Is that around anymore? Uh, yeah, it, it still is. Oh, okay. I think they're doing reserve out of it, I okay. think. Uh, but I was dating a, a gal. The gal that I was dating in high school, and I, yeah. she dumped me. Ah, of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah. she didn't want kids, and I wanted kids. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She married some guy that went to Nam, came home, divorced him. And marry another guy. <laughs> maybe maybe you dodged your first bullet. I there. think I did. I think I did. Because she came down with MS oh, and, no. and Alzheimer's. Oh. And was in a care facility from dude, I don't know. Wow. Awful, awful long time yeah. before she passed. Oh, she she came down with that relatively young then. Yes, she did. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh I was dating a gal that I'd met while well, my Fiance was in England. Yeah, and a a buddy of mine had a date. that girl was in England. No, my fiance. Yeah, that girl. Oh, she was your okay. She yeah. was your fiance. She All was right. my fiance at the time, and uh, <laughs> my, one of my MYF buddies had a date with a gal from Des Moines yeah. that had a roommate that didn't have a date and wanted one, and she wouldn't go out with him if Pat didn't have a roommate. Of course, or a date. Of course. So I said, yeah, I'd go. And things happened. And <laughs> she lived near Des Moines, so I stayed with her mother uh -huh. and father at the farm the night before my induction. Wow. Then my mother-in-law drove me oh, to Camp Dodge. Geez. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, Is that where they swore you in? Was it Camp Dodge? Yes. Okay. And then they put... And what was you, what year was that, 67? That was 67. Okay. September. All right. And they flew a whole busload of us out to Fort Lewis. 
Fort Lewis, Washington. Fort Lewis, Washington. Jeez, nothing like going across the country. I know. And we had we had an emerg- emergency landing somewhere in Idaho. Oh, no. And the pilot came on and said, just disregard all the red lights. That's not for us. And I knew, <laughs> knew damn well it was for us because we weren't supposed to land there. And, really? And we landed and stayed at the terminal for a while while they fixed whatever was screwed up. And, and you're there with what the other how many how whole whole plane load, all new guys. You didn't all know new guys. On, right? Most of us were Iowa college grads. Yeah, and we got to Fort Lewis and they bust us to the reception center, uh-huh. and we were matched up with another plane load from Watts. <laughs> and these guys had really? long hair and looked tougher than hell yeah and yeah. we said what have we got into sure and we were all standing in formation and and the sergeant said all right you've got one chance to turn in your weapons and i want them in that garbage can and you're gonna be like weapons well the what? the iowa guys were turning in their pin knives okay and the California guys were turned in zip guns and bazookas and hand grenades <laughs> and switchblades. I was like, holy crap. Right, right. And then they split us all up and put us into companies. And it was, Did it help at all that you were, what, 23, 24 at that I was, time? I was 21, I think. I was young. Oh, look at that. Maybe you yeah. were smarter than you're letting on. I don't know. I don't know. But still, you're not 17 standing no, there with no. seeing had, all that. So you I, had a little bit of I interaction. Had some life action. Yeah. And I had grown up a little bit yeah. in college. Yeah. I was a pretty hefty drinker my last two years. <laughs> and the Army didn't change well, that. that. <laughs> no, it probably, probably enhanced that, I it, would imagine. It did enhance it. Uh, and uh, God, we were man. all tested. And... I don't know how many times I got asked to go to OCS. Yeah. And I said, not interested. I'm here for two years. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. I'm a, I yeah. will be a follower. Is that what the, um, well, you said you got drafted, but so you didn't sign an enlistment contract. No. Nope. No. Nope. So you just come right in and they're like, you're in the army now. I, I owed them 24 months. Is that what, it, oh, is that what it was? Yep. Regardless of where you were going. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And uh, at Fort Lewis, there were four of us Iowa college grads yeah. that were made squad leaders. Because Just because of that? I think. Huh. Uh, well, you probably carried yourself a little bit yeah. better, the, a little the higher. Yeah. DI interviewed a handful. Okay. And then picked the four that he wanted. And interesting. Interesting. How, why, why, why do you say that? I had a guy in my barracks that was a Section 8. Legitimate Section Legitimate 8. Legitimate Section 8. Not Corporal Klinger acting like Section no. 8. No, and how he got in, I'll never know. I mean, huh. the guy would report to formation in his steel pot. No <laughs> liner. He couldn't huh. march. Huh. Uh, on one of the night invasion courses where they have the 50s shooting over your head yeah and you have to climb up over the parapet with live ammo they were shooting over your live head? ammo huh and then they've got pits that were blowing up yeah all around yeah and the di came up to another squad and he said all right guys each of you take one of tumblin's arms and do not let go of him 
<laughs> because he'd stand up and get killed. Oh, yeah. So we yeah. we had to shove him up over the parapet. He crapped his pants oh, as soon geez. as he was over the parapet. And we had to drag him through the entire course. Oh. And it, he finally got discharged. But it took forever for it to happen. I thought it was a, yeah. a crying shame. Yeah. He had no reason to be there. Was he, uh, he wasn't, you weren't in fear of him, were you? No, he was just mentally deficient. He, okay. He had no clue where he okay. was or what he was doing. Really? I remember one night we came back after some exercises for Chow and it was raining. Yeah. And you had to sit at the table for four with whoever you were with. Okay. Well, I happened to be with Tumlin. <laughs> and I went through the line and went right out the back door and ate my meal at the trash can in the rain. Oh, you're kidding. Because he had false teeth. He'd take his false teeth out while he was eating. He had false teeth as a as a young man? Yep. Oh. And and I I would not sit with him and eat dinner because I couldn't. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's a, oh. It it was terrible. Well, and that's you know, that's kind of the eye opening stuff. So, you know, it, when you it you, was very eye opening. You I get thought, all forced together like that. How could the army do that to somebody? Somebody had to realize and they the, all passed him went, through. Yeah, yeah. Everybody passed him through. Uh, I'm glad he didn't get hurt. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was lucky. Then we had a, a black guy that was <laughs> cantankerous. Oh, okay. We were quarantined to barracks, except in company formation because of meningitis. Ugh. And this was the fall in Washington when it's cold and wet. Yeah. We had to keep the windows open. So you froze your butt off in the wintertime. So why did you have to keep the windows open? They thought circulation. For airflow or something? They thought airflow oh, and circulation would keep the meningitis down. And keep the frostbite up. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> and I can't remember this kid's name, but he was a hoot. He would leave at night with orders from the PX and go to the PX. Yeah. And somebody saw him somewhere along the line and reported him. Would he walk out the front door or did he claw, crawl out the window? No, out the door. <laughs> leave, the, leave the company area and head to the PX. And he'd bring back two or three grocery bags full of stuff for everybody that they ordered. Oh, paid okay. Him for. Oh, well, when you said orders for the yeah. business, so people were, he was a courier. He was, essentially. A, he was the runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, D.I. Moore slept at home. Uh-oh. Well, this kid came back with his sacks and D.I. Moore walked in the door (laughs) (laughs) and the three sacks went to the office and we went out into the yard for PT at midnight or one o'clock whatever it was Yeah. and as squad leaders we had to stand around and harass everybody that was not fun (laughs) I expected to get a a shower a little blanket party for you huh exactly that, I mean, that was a real thing, right? We, oh, we joke about it now, but it was... Unfortunately, yeah. Tomlin got a blanket party. Ah, jeez. Uh, by some of the people that didn't like the treatment they were getting because of him. They took it out on yeah, him. Yeah, they took it out on him, and it was... That um, Full Metal Jacket, that movie, depicted exactly what you just said. You know, kind of get a, a slow uh, individual there. Yeah. And they, t- uh, 
Golly. Yeah, it, it was a shame. And this black kid, I don't know what ever happened to him. He, uh, we had a, a gas exercise where the DIs were standing above barbed wire uh-huh. trench. And, and you had to crawl through it with everything. Well, of course. And when you got in the middle of the barbed wire, they popped the CS. Yeah. Yeah. And when the black kid got popped, he stood up through the barbed wire, knocked D.I. Moore on his butt in the midst of the CS gas, and he took off to the oh. forest. <laughs> he just running ran. like a son of a bitch. He, I don't know how many Article 15s he had in boot camp, but it had to be a record. <laughs> it had to be a record. But it was funny. <laughs> D.I. Moore didn't think it was too funny. No, I guess not. <laughs> no, no. But watching him do it, you got to oh, be like, what is he doing? It was hilarious. It was hilarious. <laughs> the gas chamber was unreal as well. It shows how ingrained you get, how quickly it happens. When you're sitting in there and they pop the CS and then the D.I. comes around and says, take your mask off. Yeah. Well, Jesus Christ, he's a D.I., Right, right. And what he tells you to do, you do. So you rip your mask off. <laughs> and you're sitting there with tears and snot running. Immediate. Immediately. I, I, and everybody yeah. had their mask off. Yeah. We got outside and he said, why did you take your mask off? You told us to. Did I say all clear? No. Oh, Stupid. Jesus. <laughs> He's playing Simon Says with you. Exactly. <laughs> but then I go, oh, very vivid memories from basic training. It, it was another lesson teacher that you listen to what they tell you and then follow those orders. Yeah. And if the order was you don't take your mask off until you hear all clear, I don't care if God comes down and tells you to take it off. You don't take it off. A lesson you very well learned that day. Oh, and that was the best way to learn it. That, <laughs> it sounds cruel and mean, but yes. it gets the point across. Yeah. What... Uh, did they tell you what your MOS was going to be? Uh, I don't think at that point. Okay. A, a bunch of us got sent down to Fort Ord for AIT. Uh-huh. And again, the four of us were squad leaders. Oh, the same four. And, and we went through. Did you know each other? No. Uh, okay. Uh-uh. You were just college grads. Right. Uh, they got thrown together right that MAPS or whatever yeah. it was. But you didn't go to. Not you went this, to University of Iowa? Yes. You and didn't I, go to... We didn't go to the same schools. Okay. Uh, didn't even live in the same towns. But now you've been together. Right. And now you're down at AIT. Now, now we're at AIT. They put us through... Uh, this was December. They put us through two weeks of LPT training to become squad leaders. Okay. And uh, leadership platoon something. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's gone under different names. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. But I think it's the same thing. And then we had a two week break because they shut the fort down at Christmas. They did. Yeah. Huh. And so Pat and I were engaged at the time. And when I found out that we were going to get two weeks leave, I called her and said, let's get married. Oh. She said, what? <laughs> <laughs> he says, Okay. So I flew home. Her mother, uh, as a farmer's wife, thank God it was winter, Yeah, uh, had four younger girls at home. Oh, jeez. She made all 
the Maid of Honor dresses, hosted a dinner at the farmhouse for everybody. Wow. Before the wedding or after the wedding, something. Uh, Made all the decorations, the flowers. It it was insane. We got married on December 23rd. You did? Yeah. And it was, I don't know how she did it. She was a saint. Where was your mom and dad in this? They were, my wife lived near Ames on a farm. Yeah. And I was from Cedar Rapids. Yeah. And so they were there. They all came down. Uh, my mother's parents, my dad's mother. None of them pulled you aside and said, hey. Son, my dad you, did. You sure you want to do that? My dad did. <laughs> okay. He said, are you sure you want to get married before you go overseas? Yeah. Knowing full well what that meant. <laughs> well, he has, I don't know if he had first-hand he, experience he, of being he, married over there. I'm sure he did because he wasn't married until he got home. Okay. Well, yeah. there you go. And I'm sure that... that I could probably have some 80-year-old brothers and sisters out in the South <laughs> Pacific somewhere. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, yeah, who knows? But uh, so we drove back to Fort Ord from Iowa oh, yeah, in yeah, a blizzard. Man of The wife. whole damn way. Yeah. Uh, and Donner's Pass is everything they say it is. Is it really? Oh, I don't know how we... How that part, well, that party didn't make it through. Right? Yeah, I don't know how we made it through. Yeah. But but we did. And I thought we could live together off base in AIT. Ha! Yeah, you're right. You're Wrong. So- oh, oh. No, your ass stays on base. And she's... And she's in an apartment ho- or something? Hotel oh, no. in Monterey. Did they give you a stipend for that or... Nope. Oh. I, I went in uh, to personnel... After we, after I got back, and I said, I need an allotment for my wife out of my salary. Yeah. He said, what do you mean your wife? And I said, well, I got married. He said, well, you can't get married. The army <laughs> wanted you to have a wife. They'd give you a wife. That's it, right? And I said, well, it's done. So I <laughs> want some money taken out of my E1 pay yeah. that goes to her. Gee. So they did. And we had dirty dates on the weekend. Dirty dates? What's yeah. a dirty date? A dirty date's when she came to pick me up and we went back to the motel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Enough said on that one. Enough said on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and my folks came out when I graduated. All right. And uh, my mother drove with my wife back to Iowa. When did you graduate here? Is this 68 now? Uh, 60, Yes. Okay. Early 68. Yeah. Probably. But you went to AIT, but did they tell you what your job was going to be? Uh, Yeah. I think at that stage, I must have. I was an 11 Bravo. You were? Yeah. Oh, gee. And all the the enlistees from California got the sack jobs. And all us college graduates... Were 11 Bravos. Well, that makes all the sense in the world now, doesn't Vietnam it? Vietnam had blown up yeah. by that time. Yeah. And we figured that we were all cannon fodder. Yeah. However, my bosom buddy, Booker, yeah. sailed the USS Pueblo into North Korean waters and got captured. That's right, huh? Yeah, yeah that was right. And that yeah. was in early 68 as well. So they sent a bunch of us, including two of the four squad leaders to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, to become armored personnel drivers. 
Oh, really? So my MOS was changed at that point. I have no clue what it was. Yeah, yeah. That was a hoot. Yeah. Because we had... Were they putting you in the, the 113s or the the armored personnel carriers? Armored personnel carrier from way back when. And it was just the basic armored personnel. Yeah, just a big box I on mean, treads, right? Yeah. Yeah. A five, five, Lateral drives, five, five, right? six would go through the side of it. Yeah, right, it wasn't armored a for A bomb nothing. would go through the bottom right. of it. I mean... You, you had a you had a, a a turret with maybe a fifty cal up there yep. or something or, yep. uh, but driving that thing through Fort Campbell was uh, an absolute hoot. It had the it had the sticks right the lateral the, drive it right had the sticks we oh, had we had blast. To cross a pond in it yeah it scared the shit out of me. oh you had to swim it yeah oh jeez you're going <laughs> yeah. you're just waiting for the motor to right. die out and sink that mother and you knew you'd be in deep doo doo if you did that you had to get out right yeah. <laughs> But we were we chased deers through the forest. Yeah, and I mean it was very hilly. Right. So when you were driving, your buddies were all in the ass end, and you'd hear the metal helmets hit the roof when you hit the dips, <laughs> and you'd start laughing like crazy. Except you knew you were going to be back there pretty soon. Yeah, right. You're going to swap out. Yeah. And so, God, what I don't know if I do when I went down there. Yeah, that I was going to Korea or not. But one of the three of us went to Fort Hood, okay, and got a sports reporter job, and that's what, what? he that's what he did for his twenty four months. Wow, lucky him! The second guy was big, chubby, good natured, joke telling guy. Got nom, uh, and I found out that he got a desk job in a supply program. Ah, uh, good for him! And I finally ran him down. I'm a genealogist. Oh, no kidding. And so I, I started trying to find him, and he had died. Uh, but I got in touch with his son. Really? And he and I now stay in touch over Facebook. No kidding. And he sent me, he had done an article for the newspaper. Yeah. And I got it, and it told about what he did in Nam, and I was glad for that. Yeah. He, he wasn't out on combat. Right, right, right. And then I got Korea. During Vietnam, you got to go to Korea. I got to go to Korea because they weren't sure that the North Koreans weren't going to come over yeah. after the public. Yeah, it was still it. armistice, yeah. right? It was still yeah. Or, uh, it's still armistice. Yeah, it's it, it yeah it has been the yeah, whole the, time. The war's right? never ended, right? But uh, I flew over to Seoul and they bust a bunch of us up to the Seventh Division at Camp oh, Casey, seventh, Korea. Huh? Yeah, Seventh was still in Korea at the time. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, we sat replacement, and while we got there that night, there were some exfiltrators that had come in to bomb the Blue House, which is the same as the White House in Seoul. Really? And they were exfiltrating back north, and our area was one of two that infiltrations came through. Oh, the second geez. division was in the west side, yeah, which was one route, and the seventh was in the middle east side. Okay. And... Uh, there were night flares going off and machine guns going off. And we were sitting on a cot, no helmet, no rifle, no <laughs> crap. It was like, this isn't right. At least give me a rifle. Right, right. <laughs> <coughs> and my buddies that came over with me were all placed. And I sat there. And more guys came in. Yeah. And more guys got placed. And I sat there. And I finally... That was an eye-opener, too, because the guys in repo had 
to do duty during the day. Yeah. And one of the first ones I had to do uh, went out with, I don't know, half a dozen guys. And we stopped at a wire enclosure. Okay. And there were two MPs standing in front of the gate with weapons. And we got off the bus. They unlocked the gate, put us in there to clean up the area and relock the gate. <laughs> and I found out afterward it was a uh, nuclear silo. Oh. And I didn't realize that there were nukes in Korea yeah. until then. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, not good. Not yeah, good. It was probably a good thing they didn't tell you. Yeah, reason, right? it was real good they didn't tell us. <laughs> but I finally got called into personnel, and the kid that interviewed me happened to have graduated from my high school yeah. a couple of years before I did. He said, wow. He said, Appleby, can you type? I said, yeah. And he gave me a typing test, and I had no clue how hard I failed it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, I, but I had taken typing in high school. Okay. And uh, then he interviewed me and he said, how would you like to be an army education specialist? I said, I have no clue what it is, but if it's an inside job, yes. Yeah, why not? You're right. He, he had a buddy that was the specialist that was rotating uh -huh. and needed a replacement. Huh. So I, I was assigned to a headquarters and band company. Oh. And we had all the the G one, two, three, fours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, band. It was probably two thirds college grads and a third ROK soldiers. Oh, okay. And I was assigned to an ed center. There was a civilian who had the rank of probably colonel. Yeah. Uh that ran the ed center. There were, there was one Korean that was the cleanup guy, and then a guy and a gal that ran the office. Okay, did all the paperwork, and I took Hapkido, which is a oh you did yeah yeah self defense type thing, and the guy just beat me up <laughs> terrible. He was a friend of the cleanup guy. Oh, he did. Yeah, and. <laughs> One time it was a close combat thing, uh -huh. and we were standing nose to nose, and he picked up his leg and kicked me in the thigh. That close to each other. That close to each other. And it hurt oh, so damn bad that I almost yeah, right. took a swing at him, and I thought, no, he'll kill you. Yeah, he'll, he'll counter <laughs> yeah, that too, yeah. right? <laughs> and... uh I passed my first belt, and the guys from the office took me down to the village to eat. Okay. And they always said, you don't eat in the village, period. All right. Well, they were serving Chinese rice wine in thimbles. Huh. And they served it in a vinegar crystal bottle. Yeah. And I thought, you guys do not know who you're drinking with. <laughs> <laughs> That stuff's like a mule. It kicks you in the head. That's what I heard. And yeah. you're dead. Yeah. And I ate, and I'm sure it was dog meat. Yeah. But I ate most everything that was served in a family-style dinner. Right, right. Went back to the, the barracks. And when I woke up in the morning, I usually would stretch. Yeah. And pass a little gas. Sure. Well, when I did, something hit my foot. And I thought... That can't, oh, that, that can't be right. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> 
And I threw back the covers, and there was a streak right down the oh my whole length of the bed. And I started feeling really bad at that point. Sure. So I went up to the latrine, and oh, to tell you how sick I was, the commode and the urinals were right across from each other. Of course. But they were close enough that if you really needed to, you could rest your chin in the urinal and stay on the commode. I guess you really needed which to. Which I did, and I, and oh, I really God. needed it. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I was sick. So, oh, my God. Yeah. I was. I showered. Uh, I think I threw my boxers away and wrapped myself in a towel and went back to Hooch. Yeah, probably and smart. The houseboy was there. Yeah. And he was P.O.'d. Really? Yeah. And I said, I want that bunk changed right now. Cleaned, yeah, because I'm getting back in it. <laughs> and he did it. Not and, happy. But. No, not happy at all. And I was sick for probably three or four days. Really? Well, after about two days, Masters, the civilian, came down. Yeah. He said, what are you doing down here? You're supposed to be working. And I said, I am sick. <laughs> you get out of my hooch, and I'll be back at work when I feel better. <laughs> and he turned around and left. Oh, he did. Yeah. And fortunately for me, he left at mid-tour, his mid-tour, yeah. to go home. And he never came back. Okay. So I, I then ran the West Camp KC Ed Center. Yeah. And in theory, I reported to the guy in charge of uh, education at Camp Casey, who was a brigadier equivalent. Oh, wow. Well, my first sergeant. Civilian. So the, but a brigadier equivalent. Yeah. Okay. So and I never met him, never saw him. Oh, he didn't? No. <laughs> uh but first sergeant wanted me to do uh duty driver one night. I okay. said, Well, we better ask Masters. That was before he left. Yeah. I said, because I've got stuff I should be doing at the Ed Center. He said, That's all right. I'll get somebody else. Huh. I never pulled an ounce of duty after that. Really? Never. Not one. And we Korea had, I don't know what the hell you call them, war games. Oh, sure. And, yeah. and we had a war game scheduled, so everything shut down, and you grabbed all your crap and headed out to the boonies. Yeah. Well, it was rainy, and Korea's made up of red mud. Oh. Uh -huh. And I got off the bus or however the hell we got out there, probably a deuce and a half. Yeah. I looked around and thought, God, this doesn't look like fun at all. <laughs> and so I looked up to first sergeant. And I said, first sergeant, you know, I really should be back at the Ed Center because the Koreans are there and somebody needs to supervise them. He says, I'll get your Jeep. Hold on. Wow. I took all my shit, went back to the barracks, turned my rifle in, unpacked my crap. Smart. Went to the Ed Center and drank coffee and smoked cigarettes. Yeah. Well, they were out there playing war. Uh, well, that's okay. Somebody had to take care of the Ed Center. You, he did. What, what first sergeant didn't realize was if we were out, the base was shut down, and there were no Koreans allowed on base. Oh yeah. So there was yeah. nobody there except me. Yeah. But I had my coffee pot, <laughs> and I already had it figured out because the Ed Center was up on a hill, and right across from us was a motor pool, and the first thing lined up right next to the fence were APCs. There you go. And I said, as soon as the horn goes off and the north is coming south. I got an APC marked out and yeah. I'm headed south. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so you had your you had your escape route. <laughs> escape route. Yeah. Did they? So when you went to Korea, year long, yes. year long tour. Yes. Um, Turned into thirteen months. Oh, okay, okay. They and ex- you're, they extended me. You didn't have any breaks during the year to go home. Yes. I oh, did. you did. Okay. I applied for mid tour and got it. Yeah. And went home, and spent two weeks to and from and home. Where was your wife at? My wife met me in Des Moines. All right. And we stayed in Des Moines the first night. Then we may have stopped at the farm on the way home. And that's the only time I remember my mother-in-law showing emotion. When we walked in the back door and around to the living room, she was off that couch and in my arms ah. in a nanosecond. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And it was crazy. Well, and she's probably sitting there watching news reports of all Vietnam stuff. But, right. you know, it gets it gets fuzzy. Army's even, army. Even though you're not there. Right. 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 I mean, my God. The, like, shame on the news for the way they oh, covered that. God. God. I just, yeah. You know. But then we drove to Cedar Rapids. And my mother wasn't home. So we drove over to the tile store. Okay. And they had a, a secretary who'd been there forever and a day. Yeah. And I walked in and Regina looked at me like, what the hell are you doing here? Because she knew where <laughs> I was. And I said, where's Dan? And he said, out in the showroom with a salesman. So we walked out there and I, I think I was in somewhat of a uniform at that stage. Yeah. You probably had nothing else. Right? No, I didn't. And... uh Dad had his back to me and was talking to the salesman. He heard us come in. He turned around and looked, looked back at the salesman, and turned back to me and said, holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) He took me and we went into his office. Yeah. And the salesman was standing there. He finally packed up his bag and left. Oh, sure. And he said, your mother's going to crap. Your mother's (laughs) just going to (laughs) crap. That's what he said. God. And, And we went home then. And I, mom was home by that time. Yeah. And I think he may have told her. Oh, I'm not, okay. I'm not yeah. sure. But uh, she took out some inch thick pork chops. Oh. And I went over to see some neighbors who were good friends. And they made daiquiris. Oh, no. Well, really? I, I had a couple, two or three daiquiris. Oh, And wow. then we went back home and pie stingle is a rhubarb wine that the Amana colonies make. Rhubarb, wow. Rhubarb wine. And my dad uncorked a bottle of pie stingle. Yeah. Well, we had some pie stingle with our pork chops, and I was gone. (laughs) I mean, I was gone. They had a split-level home. Uh So we went downstairs to the family room, and I must have been getting obnoxious or something. Uh-oh. And my father decided he was going to put me to bed. Oh, so he grabbed me by the back of my pants and my belt. Yeah. And in going up the three or four steps to the next level, he dropped me. Oh. <laughs> and he also hit his toe on something. Uh-huh. Well, he was on the couch holding his foot saying, God damn, I broke my toe. And I was laying upside down in the tile entryway calling cadence. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, yeah, you might have been a little gone. I was really gone. And somehow I got up the next flight of stairs to the bed, yeah, and got in bed. 
<laughs> that was mid tour. That was mid tour. That was a good. That was a good trip until it was time to go back to <laughs> Korea. Uh, how'd the rest of your time in Korea go then? It was good. the The two Koreans did all the work. Yeah. All I had to do was sign the paperwork. Oh, okay. And then as, as you rotated, you had to be cleared by all the various departments. Sure. And I had to sign the education center part. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, the Army had a 6-7 program going at the time, which was trying to educate uh, mm-hmm. non-high school graduates. Oh, get them their degree. And they were coded, their service number started with a 6-7, so they could be identified. Okay. And they had to come to the Ed Center and had to go through classes, night classes. Yeah. And uh, I had to be there while the classes were going on uh, and try and help where I could. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I didn't report to anybody. I reported to me. Yeah, it could have been, it could have gone the other way, right? Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. God, it's good and though. As I got short, they extended me a month uh, to find a replacement, I think. Yeah. And uh, still didn't have one when it was time to go. Yeah. The lieutenant called me in and says, Hey, I'll put you in for the Army Com medal. Really? If if you stay until we get a replacement. Time out. <laughs> <laughs> not interested. Thank if you, you stay until we get a replacement. Yeah, I'm no. not interested. And he, in fact, asked me when I got to Korea if I wanted to go to OCS. Yeah. And I still politely said no, thank you. Well, you had to, you held true to that. You only wanted to stay in for your two years. Yeah. And uh, just before I was rotating, I had turned in my weapon and anything else, company level, that I had to turn in. Yeah. Uh, the division went on alert. Really? Well, here I am. No weapon, no helmet, no <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> we might be going to war. Yeah. I said, let me out of here. And they finally did let me get on the bus and go down to Seoul and Kimpo Airport. Yeah. And I did not breathe until that airplane sure. touched water. Yeah, because they could have... They could have stopped everything. Right. And right. once it cleared the water, I thought, oh, I'm home. <laughs> and we got to, back to Fort Lewis. They flew you all the way. To, oh, okay, to Fort Lewis. We yeah, went, that makes we sense. We went yeah. through, uh, I think, Japan coming and going. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when we got to Lewis, they started processing us. But every time a plane load of non-vets came in, they sure, sent, yeah. sent us off to smoke and process those guys. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, we were there early in the morning, and we finally got out. I don't know, nine or ten o'clock at night. Well, and another guy and I bust down to the Tacoma Airport. Well, they closed down the bar. Oh, they did at nine o'clock or something. Oh, yeah. So we were stuck. I couldn't fly out to San Francisco. Couldn't get anything to drink. My wife until the morning. (laughs) Oh shit! So we had to sit there stone sober, which is crap. Were you getting discharged at that time? Yes. Wow. Yes. When did you make E five? I made E5 Over in Korea? At a, in Korea. Yeah. I, it happened to be an E5 slot. Uh, I went over as a E3. Okay. And I think as soon as I got into the Ed Center, I was made an E4. Yeah. And then at about the, I want to say 14-month mark in the Army, yeah. I was made E5. 
Okay. And uh, the nice thing about that was I was close to alcoholism in the Army in <laughs> the last two years of college. And uh, a buddy of mine was still in E4, uh-huh. and he was the old man's driver. And he and I were drinking partners. All right. Good. And he, he'd call the old man and said, you need me tonight? He says, no, if I go somewhere, I'll get the duty driver. So we, the NCO club was about 500 yards uh, from our hooch. Perfect. So we'd go over there. Yeah. And uh, right. E5s could buy package liquor. So I'd buy Package liquor, what do you mean? A bottle. Oh, okay. okay. And we could keep it in our foot, in our locker. Yeah. And John wanted a bottle of something. So I bought it for him. All right. And he had it in his locker. And one night at midnight, the MPs come in, turn the lights on, say, everybody stand by your locker. Yeah. And they inspected standing lockers and foot lockers, and they found the bottle in John's, and he was an E4. Yeah. So he got nailed. Never did tell him where he got it. Well, good good buddy. Good for him. Yeah. And uh, he did eventually make E5, but it took a lot longer. Oh, it did? Yeah. Yeah. They they frowned on that, but so I knew when I was processed out at Fort Lewis yeah. that I was out of the service. What was there just like a handshake and thanks for your service and a pat uh, on the back, or, or was it just oh, like there was paperwork until hell went well? Happen. Sure, right, right. And then it was a pat on the back, and uh, you'll hear from the reserve. Oh, the IRR, right? But I didn't have to join. I was oh, I good. was on inactive. You're already activated. Yeah, I was inactive reserve for I don't know how long. But then I finally got discharged from yeah that that reserve. That's their yeah. just in case we need yeah. to call you back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I was done. Huh. So it was, but I've always said I learned more in my time in the army sure. than I did in my four years of college. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, I mean, you don't get that kind of quote unquote education no anywhere not, else than not real world than being face to face with guys from all different parts of the country that, exactly that may not want to be face to face with you <laughs> totally and you're not in a place where in basic hand grenade training Tumble yeah. dropped a grenade yeah and one of the line off, one of the line officers grabbed it and threw it over the parapet oh. before it went off we we were the first group that tested the law. Really? Yes. Wow. And we were on the range, and you pull that sucker apart, yeah. put it on your shoulder, aim and fire. Yeah. Well, one of the guys pulled it apart, put it on his shoulder, pulled the trigger, and nothing happened. Oh. And the line officer said, don't you move. Yeah. And he cleared everybody else out of the area. And then called the bomb squad. Bomb squad had to come, take it off his shoulder. Oh, he had, he kept it on his shoulder the he whole time? too. Because you don't know when, if it's yeah. going to cook off or not. Exactly. Right? And they put it in the bunker and blew it. Wow. But The light anti-tank weapon. Yeah. Right? The yeah. law. That was fun. I liked that. Yeah. And yeah. I liked, also liked the 50. Oh, sure. We were on the range, and when everybody was done firing, they still had a ton of ammo. Yeah. And whoever was in charge didn't want to take it back. No. So he said, whoever wants to fire a 50 again, <laughs> oh, great. can. Yeah. <laughs> and it was getting dark. 
And that was so damn much fun. They had tank bodies out in the field that yeah. we were shooting at. They have tracers on it? Oh. Every fifth round was a tracer. The whole modus. The barrels got red. Yeah, I bet. We had so much ammo to cook. Jeez. And that was a hoot. I like that. Were you a good shot? On the, yeah. Uh, uh, were you training on M14s at that time? Uh, no. Did you have the M16? M1s. Oh, the M1s. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they're heavy mothers. Yeah. <laughs> but I was a fairly decent shot. I was a hunter in high school. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I, you were? Okay. I hunted with a shotgun and a rifle. Yeah. And I think I would have preferred a shotgun in, in the Army. Really? Yeah. Especially if I'd have gone to Nam. Well, sure, I close. To yeah. Yeah. Spread that mother. <laughs> yeah. Right. We touched real briefly on how the Army was. What was your impressions then? Kind of going through that, you told us you told some great stories, but kind of overall, uh, was it frustrating sometimes to be in the army with the quality of the people they had there? Sometimes, okay. I was fortunate that most of the people I dealt with were good people. Oh, good. And they were they were trying to do their job of training yeah. you. Yeah. I had one CS second lieutenant in AIT at Ord. Which is sand. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> right. the sub trade is sand. Right. And as a squad leader, I was the point squad leader. So everybody marched off of me. Okay. Well, I can't march with a crap. So really, but marching through sand uh, cannot stay in step. No, because you got to dig those heels in yeah. and, not and get the, out of that. And our, our DI did not go out on train one day and the second lieutenant did fresh. Oh, no crap head well because i couldn't stay in step and the whole platoon wasn't staying in step he put me the back of the the line of my platoon Uh well we marched back into the company area for retreat and my di was there and he came up to me at the back of the thing he says where are you back here you're squad leader i said lieutenant fuzznuts put me back here because i couldn't keep in step in the sand well, he took the lieutenant back behind the barracks, and I think he probably needed some reupholstering, really, and some plastic surgery when the DI was done. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, under no circumstances, was to relieve a squad leader of his. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And that DI or the lieutenant came back pretty damn sheepish. I don't think the officers took care of their junior officers very well. I don't think they gave them a lot of that. Probably now, not. The prior enlisted guys who had gone through maybe an OCS or an right. OTS or something yeah. like that, they were much better officers at a second and first lieutenant level. Yes. Than the, like you said, 21-year-old yeah. coming out of college. The 21-year-old OCS, OTS officers didn't know and did not listen to the first rule, which is listen to your sergeant. Right. Take care of your NCO. Yeah. Take care of your NCO. He'll take care of you, but he'll also teach you what you need to know. Right. But your ego's got to be checked. At the door. And most of those guys can't do that or or haven't been told to do that. They were pretty impressed with their gold bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they learned real quick. You know, I, I, I feel for the ones that 
gone off and had to go straight over to Vietnam, and now are in charge. And a lot of them didn't come oh, back. Oh my goodness, golly! But they didn't get shot by a goose. Yeah, they're yeah, right, right. You don't know where that wound no. came from. Nope. So you better learn real yeah, damn quick. Totally. And Korea was fun. Yeah. I mean, it was. I didn't like being far away from my wife. Yeah, sure. Uh, now, may I ask, is this the, your current wife? 55 years All later. that way back then? Yeah. Wow. We just celebrated 55 in December. You ever you ever revisit the dirty dates? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'd get a kick out of that. Yeah, huh? we've got got two, two daughters. Oh, God, she had to be... Uh, I mean, but she understood that you weren't going into harm's way, right? right? But but still, there's a yeah. there's a right. chance, right? Right. Even was, even just flying, it was much chance, better right? than going to Vietnam. Sure, much better. Sure. And we had a a guy in our hooch that was a, a ham, and so during a ham the, ham radio. Oh, ham radio. radio. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. During the two weeks around the holidays. Korea authorized them to use the radio. Oh, really? And so when it came my turn, I called Pat. She was working. Yeah. And her roommate answered the phone. Oh, no. Really? So, so I wished her roommate Merry Christmas and told yeah. her, tell Pat Merry Christmas. And that was the only chance I'd gotten to get on the horn. It's, um, I think your generation had to go through that without any immediate contact or anything like that. Uh, I don't know. In some ways, it seems better than the ones that the constant contact. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You know, that's weird to say that. And, uh, um, but there's an appreciation that you got out of that about being apart and right. making the most of your time and stuff. And I, and I think maybe that's a little bit lost, you know? I think you may be right. I mean, we, we wrote. And I got letters yeah, all the right. time from grandparents and right. parents and in-laws. I mean, mail call was a big thing. Oh, big thing. You were devastated when you had nothing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I did that very often. You had nothing? And Pat, I was, I increased my allotment every time I got a rank change. Yeah, yeah. And every now and then, there'd be a $20 bill in a letter. Oh. Which helped with the PX for cigarettes. That's huge, yeah. Yes, yeah. it was big time. Because I spent my share <laughs> at the NCO club. Well, uh, did they have classics back then? The classic stores? Because when I was in the army in the eighties, that basically classics was your liquor store, oh. essentially. So NCO club was ours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we could buy it at the NCO club. Did you play any games? Did, were you were you good at uh, bridge pool? Oh, bridge, bridge. Oh, and, okay. And our hooch had bridge players, uh, and one of our warrant officers. Yeah. No. One of our lieutenants was a bridge player, and so we would play with him. Oh yeah! And one one Saturday or Sunday, he asked us to come down to the officers' club with him, yeah. which we did. And there were, I don't know, two or, two or three enlisted, and maybe one or two officers yeah. were playing bridge, weren't bothering anybody. Yeah. And a warrant officer came up. And demanded that we leave the O Club. Because a warrant we officer. Weren't officers. A warrant officer who was enlisted. Yeah. Ugh. So we, we had to leave. Not a jerk. But I was a golfer as well. Played golf. Oh, okay. On the West Camp Casey Golf Course. Yeah. Which <laughs> was interesting. Why? What made it Just interesting? 
because I was in Korea playing golf. Oh, yeah, sure, right. <laughs> what the hell is this? I mean, I played in some, a lot of installations have very unique courses, right? right? So I thought maybe, maybe now, that's what it this was. This was not unique. It was flat. I mean, there's, a, there's nowhere there's a but the Army that you can play golf with, say, artillery going off a mile away from you, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> As they're doing drills or whatever. No. 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 Yeah. I think if, if we heard the siren, we'd uh, put the golf clubs away. <laughs> Mike, I know you've told me about your parents, your father-in-law, your grandparents' history of service, but how about your brother? What about his service? My brother, Pat, is a younger brother. And after younger he about, Younger about how, how much? He's uh, three years younger. Okay. And he enlisted in the Air Force after he graduated from high school. And he was all over doing training. He picked up map interpretation during his training. And his first tour was Udorn, Thailand. Wow. Where he, he was a map interpreter. And he would would look over the maps that were taken by the recon planes and then circle areas that, that looked like they would be bomb sites. What what year did he enlist? He enlisted in, oh. I mean, you were, at, you were in college when he enlisted, right? He must, yes. He must have enlisted in 66 or 67. And... He came home and then signed up for a second tour in Udorn. And on his well, second same, tour... Same place, uh, huh? Yeah. And on his second tour, he was a, actually a crew member on 727s, I think, flying and calling in the bomb strikes. Wow. And they'd be up, they would be up for maybe 12 hours at a whack. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he had a he had a pretty exciting tour over there, much more than I did. <laughs> How long did he stay in? He only stayed in the four years for his enlistment. Okay. And he got out, uh, got married, and he and I started brother bonding in nineteen about nineteen seventy seventy two, and I would go to wherever he lived, which included Austin. Uh, Wyoming, and then back to Fort Worth, and then Washington. And in the fall, I would go see him, and in the spring, he would come and see me. And we're still doing it. Do you think your shared experiences of being in the military uh, helped that out? Uh, I don't know that it helped it out. We did it after... I had my brother come out for my mother's birthday yeah. in Arizona. And we do chat routinely about our service time. You know, I, I know how it is growing up with a brother. And if you don't have some shared experiences, sometimes that's difficult. Uh, but maybe inadvertently you had some shared experiences by both having uh, separate stints in the military. I'm sure we did. I'm sure. And I'm hoping that uh, after he listens to my interview, that perhaps he'll be interested in trying it. Maybe we can uh, rely on some sibling rivalry. And he'll say, all right, listen to my story. <laughs> all right. I'll try and play that. Very good. Did we cover it all? 
Did we get it all? I God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are some stories that could be told. Why well, you're always welcome to welcome. We can always do a part two here, and you can remember some other stories. But I think some of the ones you told were pretty damn good. But I probably bored you to death. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, uh, your your dog meat story alone was was worth its weight in gold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Sergeant Mike Appleby, it's been a pleasure to get your story. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me. Well, everybody. thanks for asking. I think what you're doing is important, not only. For my family, but for other veterans' families, and all your stories combined make a history for future generations to enjoy. I sure hope so. I appreciate you saying that. That's that gives me impetus to do this more now that you're woven into my little (laughs) my little fabric of veterans that I've that I've been trying to put together. So, um, but thanks thanks for contributing and uh, for keeping the line going and. Reminding us all why we do this, right? Amen. Amen. Thank you for asking. Of course. Every time. And if you get any more stories, let me know. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of Sergeant Appleby, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more Service Origin Stories. So until next time, a tank hoot! Fall out!